Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The GOP debated Trump talked to Tucker... And um, I'm really confused as to what the hell did any of it mean. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. This is Critical Thinking. Good Critical Thinking Thursday to you all. I hope you enjoyed, well, or... Had some enjoyment other than the debates last night or the debate and the 47-minute long interview between Donald Trump and uh, Tucker Carlson. We have many a thought, but I want to set it up this way, Pat. Um, I explicitly told you, do not tell me any of your opinions. I don't want to hear them, don't want to know them. Because I want us to be able to have a absolute wide open discussion free from the thoughts of anybody else and the encumbrance of, um, you know, how somebody else interpreted XYZ moment or line or person or personality for the evening. So later on in the program, we're going to give you our winners, our losers, uh, we're going to give you the biggest surprise, and what the hell. Um, we're going to give you all four of those. But before we do that, uh, I want to have a generalized discussion before we get into kind of the nuts and bolts of the actual, like, lines and whatever that was in the debate. Um, your thoughts on what Fox News did for this debate in, in general? Um, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I thought Fox News did fine. I thought Brett Baer and What's-Her-Face did fine. Um, they, they try to make it, Yeah, they try to make everyone play by the rules of the debate, which they laid out at the very beginning. Um, they had to, you know, kind of get involved, like, especially, like, toward about halfway to the end, they had to, like, really start cutting off some people because they get a little rowdy at times. Yeah, specifically um, one individual, but yes. Well, yes, yes. Um, but they, they had to reinforce some of those rules and everything, which, which you know, honestly, I thought they did fine. Um, I thought some of the questions were fine. Um, you know, it, I've seen, put it to you this way, in terms of debate format, in terms of moderators, I've seen so much worse than what I saw last night in terms of, of that. Um. You know, but th- that's what I would say, at least in terms of Fox News. Yeah, I thought they absolutely sucked. Thousand percent sucked. Oh, I'm not saying they were like they were great or amazing or anything like that. I'm just no, saying... I'm saying it all sucked. Yeah, yeah. Because here's my first observation: Fox News is job in putting that debate on was to not to inform per se, right? But to right, help us. Right. 
their job is always to entertain, right? That, that's what people need to understand. CNN, MSNBC, all of these, they don't exist to hardcore inform you like we do through critical thinking and things like that. They're 1,000% interested in entertainment value. But they sucked at entertaining me on any level last night. Mm. And this has nothing to do with the candidates, by the way. Mm. The topics were boring. I thought to myself, 2000 called and they want their GOP talking points back. Um, I thought that McCallum and Brett Baer let things go way too far, way too quickly. Um, they they allowed a free-for-all in many, many subjects, and it took away from what the heck they were actually discussing in the moment, it, especially when we saw Mike Pence do what he did, right, where he literally just blew past one, two, three of the bells, just continued to blather on to ad hominem attack other individuals that were on the stage and do what he did. Um, I also thought that they did a piss poor job of giving questions that would elicit specific response. And I understand where it, so give you one moment on this and then I'll let you in on this because I want to explain why that matters to me and why I thought this was the ultimate, this, this was, this sucked. Because there were plenty of opportunities to nail specifics to the wall. And the only people who really even got a specific question were people like Doug Bergman or Bergham. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and he only got it on, I think, abortion and a few other things. We got your run-of-the-mill raise your hand. And then you get the opportunity to do whatever the hell you want for 45 seconds, right? Instead of, we are asking a specific question. And instead, what they did is they asked generalized questions, which would allow for the candidate to wiggle themselves to do whatever the hell they wanted to do. The candidates ran that debate, not the moderator. And... I have seen it the other way. A great example is Megyn Kelly and how she has handled, or she in the past handled a few of these debates. I think she was a great model for how you do it. I mean, she literally looked at Donald Trump in his face and whatever you want to say about whether that should have happened or not, told him what she thought of him, right? Mm -hmm. Basically like, hey dude, you're a misogynistic pig in no other terms, right? She didn't use those words, but she literally said it, and now now explain yourself, right? I, I didn't see that. I also think over the course of however long that debate went on, probably, what, two hours? Two, two hours, yeah. Um, they, lo- they, they lost the ability for me. We spent the first hour doing what? I, they lost the ability for me to remember and that's never good in a debate. I should be able to go back in my mental Rolodex in an hour and go, oh, this is what we were talking about. There was nothing there. Fox News allowed nothing to advance, nothing to entertain, nothing nothing changed. Um, I also think they sucked for bringing up Donald Trump by themselves. If the candidates wanted to go down that route, let them do that, right? Mm -hmm. But what was the need for the, would you, uh, what do you think about the Trump? Leave him alone. Leave it be. He's not there. This would have been a great set of questions if he was there, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you get the entertainment value of Donald Trump is sitting right next to Ron DeSantis, and what is Ron DeSantis going to say, right? What is Vivek going to say, or Vivek uh, going to say? 
right? What is he going to say when we know that he is there as a puppet for Donald Trump? We also know this. Donald Trump took this debate seriously enough to send whom? Don Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle in, in an attempt to get them into the spin room. And so he didn't want to be on the stage but wanted all the benefits of the offstage stuff, right? We also know that, well, I'm going to leave that alone because I think we can talk about that as a separate topic if we have time. But that's where I was going with the the idea that they sucked by not allowing or, or, or not giving specific questions and allowing for the control to change hands, right? In a, in a good debate situation, the candidate is made to, to kneel before the moderator, not the moderator just... And, and by kneel, I mean that the moderator shows a modicum of control over the group that's on the stage. That didn't happen. And there's nothing, not a single question answered that moved any position anywhere at any point in time for me. I thought that was useless. So um, your thoughts on what I had to say? I I mean, I I agree with a lot of what you had to say. Um, I will say that in terms of the questions, they you're right. They ultimately sucked. Um, you know, I I've seen worse in terms of debates um, than this. I've seen worse moderators than this. Um, you know, that's not to say that this was a great debate or anything like that. Um, the whole I, I to me the the whole thing was kind of childish, and it wasn't even just from the candidates themselves and how they treated each other specifically. A couple of them. Um, Shall we say old governors? That and um, some young bucks up there too. So, um, but uh, my my overall, like the the question of uh, when they when they get the climate change question, they all had to like raise their hand. What in the absolute hell was that? Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, raise your hand if 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 you no. I thought Ron DeSantis had the perfect response to that and be like, no, let's have the freaking debate. Mm-hmm. Like, that's stupid. I'm like, they aren't children. Don't treat them like children. Um, and, and but, you know, that a lot of them treated each other like children anyway, and that was what it was. I mean, there were there were a couple great one-liners up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole chat GPT thing, I thought, I mean, it made me laugh. But here's here's the thing. Yeah. I saw no leadership mm. from anybody. Mm. Um, I mean, there might be brief moments of that, but but here's the thing. I that one liner like the just that that example per se. That was basically the equivalent of we are I I just owned that person with a meme. That's yeah. what that was. Yeah, and that that is a debate strategy, right? Where hey, um, your ideas are so ridiculous that uh, I'm just gonna verbally meme you to death. But but I mean, but what I guess what I'm saying is is like I, I I'm tired of that kind of show. I want to see like okay, like if I'm gonna if you're gonna earn my vote, I want to see who who of you can earn that that vote via who has the strongest leadership to move the party, the platform, the ideas, and all that stuff forward. So I didn't really get that all from a lot of people. I mean, you could talk about, uh, was it Doug Burgum? Yeah. He he might have been the most statesman-like of everybody up on stage, but he didn't get a ton of questions. Uh, he didn't get a lot of attention either. Um, neither did, I mean, Asa Hutchinson got a little bit more, I think, but. Oh, he is. But he was awful. awful. And and so I, I was just, I'm like, okay. That that sucks for Doug Burgum because a lot of pretty much you know all your other big names kind of controlled the. the That's always going to happen. That's always going to yeah. happen, on a stage where you've got what twelve individuals on it. 
right? Or 14 or whatever it, the hell it was. Is that how many that were up there? Well, let's think about it. We had Vivek. Mm-hmm. We had DeSantis, Christy, Pence, Haley, Scott, Bergman, or Bergman, um, Asa Hutchinson. So we had eight individuals on the stage. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll disagree with you on the leadership side of things because I think what I saw from Ron DeSantis was leadership. So I'll leave that aside because we'll discuss individual mm-hmm. candidates a little bit later. But from a generalized perspective, I agree with you that I found moments to be childish. And I think one of the moments that I found to be the most childish was like, you know, there's this moment where Vivek had answered a question and then Ron DeSantis attempted to kind of go in there. And then you saw Vivek going like this. Mm-hmm. That is just inexperience of knowing the cameras. That's inexperience of I can't use my hands the way that he normally does when he speaks up on a stage because why? Because you get this moment that looks really weird and awkward where you're like in the frame doing this little dance, right? It, it mm-hmm. It's weird. Um, That having been said, though, um. I came away on a generalized statement not understanding a clue as to what the GOP really stands for. And and maybe that speaks to a lack of leadership or, in my view, it speaks to a lack of understanding what kinds of questions, what kinds of topics are going to make sense. For, For me, the greatest example of this is the abortion question. Why? All, all eight people on that stage are pretty passionately pro-life and have records that would suggest it, with the exception of Vivek, because he has no record. But he has bona fides when it comes to his personal life, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I just... What, what did that 15, 20 minutes do for us? Nothing other than highlight whom understands the Constitution and whom doesn't. For me, that was that was the only takeaway because I have long held the position that if you want to create federal legislation when it comes to abortion, the Supreme Court of the United States told you how to do it. It's called amending the Constitution. Mm-hmm. They specifically tell you the reason why they were able to decide decide the case the way that they did and why this case and not other cases that were down the line or could have been decided previous to this was because it was a state, not an individual actor, not a federal employee, right? None of those things. This was the perfect storm because they told you to restore the power to the states. And that is the 10th Amendment of the United States of America. We are so used to turning to Washington, D.C. as an answer when we should be turning to Jackson, Mississippi or Tupelo, Mississippi, for crying out loud, right? If we want Mm -hmm. to go down that route. And... Do I think that that creates some level of chaos? Yeah, but that was the point of the Constitution. That was the point of our founding fathers. If you read them, they wanted competition. They wanted Massachusetts to be different than North Carolina. Because, why? Because they're different. They have different cultures. They have different needs. They have different agriculture. They have different everything, different climates, different this, different that. And, and the only person that really seemed to, like, really hammer the Tenth Amendment point home was Doug Burgum. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, but but Vivek also talked about it. Ron DeSantis also talked about it in a mm. roundabout way. And 
and we'll get into that in just a little bit uh, from from the perspective of the individual candidates, winners, losers, all of those things. But one of the things that I was struck by is Nikki Haley continuing to use the crutch of I'm a woman. Are there moments in which that matters on the abortion issue? My question is because it does physiologically affect a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Can their opinion hold a little more weight? I, I don't know. I, I struggle with it only because it does take two to create that life, right? It took you mm-hmm. and either somehow artificially doing it, which would still involve somebody doing something to give the zygote to impregnate you, right? Or you do it the old-fashioned Catholic way, right? <laughs> um, the point of the matter is, does that, d- d- does, does the woman have way more say in this than the person who also helped create the life? I would suggest that they have more because it is their body that is being used as the the womb, right? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Um, I just, uh, I just, I don't know how much more. But outside of the abortion situation, we have to, we've been railing against identity politics for the longest time. Let's compare and contrast Nikki Haley to Tim Scott. Did Tim Scott go, I'm black, therefore? No. Not once. Why? Because the merit of his argument has nothing to do with his skin color. The merit of his argument has to do with the merit of the argument of his position. And if your position is, I'm a woman, hear me more than anybody else, you lose. That has been the argument of the conservative movement for 15, 20 years, right? Your identity doesn't mean your argument is valid. That That's my identity. Pat, your identity as a leprechaun, d- does that matter when talking about rainbows? Dude, I identify as a ginger, not a leprechaun. Oh, I that one in the same. Sorry about that. No, not really. No. Okay. Would your opinion yeah. matter on souls <laughs> more than uh, anybody yeah. else? Yes. Yes, it would. You're soulless. That's why my opinion matters more. But you get where I'm going with this, right? Yes, I get. Yes. I just really struggle. With these people, when the, when this we have to stop. Nikki Haley, stop. Just stop with it. It doesn't strike a chord, and it doesn't make your argument, your opinion, matter more than anybody else's on the topic. I would say, other than potentially you talking about your experience giving birth, that's a different argument than uh, talking about the value of life. Now, the other general observation I had, and I wrote this down here, is um, I think that Vivek was an individual that, is, that polarized the audience at home and the audience there in Milwaukee. And I think it polarized based off of your generation. I also think, Pat, I have a question for you when it comes to to this scenario. Have you seen Vivek's um, high school graduation uh, valedictorian speech? No, I haven't. Okay. You can find it on Twitter, on X, I mean. Um, you can go and find it. It's quite literally almost the same. It's the same cadence. It's the same mannerisms it's the same this it's the same that it's this polished like i want to go places type of speech 
And this has been something that has been ingrained in, I would argue, the millennial class. From my era through to to today and, and generation, whatever the hell they're calling this generation. I, I just, it's polarizing to people. And I think he's got to be careful about his presentation because I think more people would be okay with the ideas that he is talking about if the presentation was a little, the delivery was a little different. And I think it has to do with the BS detector that some have versus versus the this is just how this generation talks, right? So I think it's interesting there. I also wrote this. There were loads of refrains on bring our jobs home, bring jobs home. That's 2000 GOP. That is 2008. That is 2012, right? Yeah. Are there sectors that we could bring home and potentially do some better things? We could not manufacture every single pharmaceutical known to man in China, right? We could do that. We could start bringing some of that home. Could we do that? Could we um, potentially bring some of our semiconductor uh, production here? Potentially, yes. Are we going to be able to do it all? No. Um, Energy production. I think there's, you know... There's arguments to be made about that. Uh, manufacturing jobs. Ah. Well, look, I understand. I really do because my dad comes from a background of being able to, from, from going from sweeping floors, being laid off three times to working with executive leadership. No degree. Right, no advanced degree, no nothing. That's a rarity in today's American story, right? That's a rarity. I understand it, and so we get in our family struggle in middle class. Like we get going to Lambeau Field, picking up the smashed beer cans and soda cans and everything else to collect to to scrape together dollars for uh, diapers and and food. Get it. Lived it. But to suggest that we, oh, we got to bring all of our manufacturing jobs back and and this production and that production and, and these things are just going overseas because cheap labor. Well, that's not because of cheap labor. If you want that, you have to prepare the American people for that gallon of milk or that piece of clothing that you can get at Old Navy to go from, on sale at at fifteen dollars to on sale at forty five dollars, because the American worker wage demands right are exceedingly insane. In fact, we just set we just saw this uh, earlier. Or I saw this headline earlier this week and read the the story on it. The average American, when they want a new job, is requesting eighty thousand dollars in salary. The average worker is making. About $67,000. A decade ago, that was about $50,000. It was maybe just a little north of that. So in a decade, we've seen not a 100% increase, but we've seen a very significant increase in the real wages. In fact, there's a, uh, I saw this on Twitter. The, the sign for management for Bucky's, the, the, um, the chain, the truck stop chain. Yeah, mm-hmm. If you're an assistant manager, you're north of 100k. If you're a general manager of a store, you can make anywhere from 175 to 250 thousand dollars. For wow. a retail truck stop job? Holy bleep! I right, think I'm in the wrong industry. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking. Ooh. I was like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I'm hustling my ass, you know. To, to do what I do, I, I could just go work at a Bucky's and earn more money just working a normal job. 
Oh, but why is that happening? It's happening because of the wage demands of the average American worker. So what do you do if you take those, those basic manufacturing, slightly skilled jobs and okay, that Nike shoe that might, you might be charged $175 for today, right? Why is Nike charging $175? Because you're willing to pay it. What do you think that Nike is going to do to that $175 shoe in which they're making likely um, $75 profit on, right? You think they're going to eat that in new wage? Because because to to manufacture the shoe is probably a couple of dollars, right, at best. But now add in the cost of the wages of the marketing team, the um, the salesmen, the um, shoe contracts that they have out there, um, the equipment contracts, right? Those all – Nike's not just eating that money. It, it, it goes somewhere. When it now costs from 250 to $15 a shoe right? Because it's that one person's wage per shoe. Uh, Are they going to eat less money on profit? No, they're just going to increase. And that's part of what we've seen. Why are we not seeing, as we see uh, inflation um, pressure lessen? We're not seeing inflation decline. We're seeing the decline of the rate of inflation, right? We are not seeing a pure decline where okay, we're no longer in an inflationary period. Are we going to see gas go down to $2 a gallon again? No. Are we going to see uh, the price of milk go from $6 a gallon to $3 a gallon like that? No. It might normalize around 5 right? But let's bring those manufacturing jobs. Let's bring our jobs back and then do what to our economy? Unless you are prepared to transfer a shit ton of wealth to the wealthy again, right? Unless you are prepared, because there's only one group that's prepared to eat that, and that is the ultra-rich. This is the double-edged sword of being the now party of the working man, right? Which is what we've talked about, the switch that's been going on here. Saw a lot of bring our jobs home. Bring our jobs home. Mike Pence mentioned it. Um, Vivek mentioned it. Nikki Haley, Chris Christie. As I'm thinking through these things, like the 2000s want their talking points back. That ship has sailed. You know, for all the things that Vivek, you know, talked around and spoke, quote unquote, truth to or spoke platitudes to, the one thing that missed for me was this. Where's the person on that stage saying that America needs to become part of the economy of the future and not the economy of the past? We have to understand that our workforce must innovate itself to set ourselves up for the success of the future of this world instead of the past of this world. That is not to suggest that we would don't need manufacturing jobs or trades or those things. In fact, what I would suggest is get yourself the skills of a trade. Get yourself the skills of computer engineering or a basic engineering degree, period, point blank. Look to the the jobs of the future. Look towards how are we going to use AI. In fact, I would suggest... The future of AI is actually probably in driverless cars. AI is also robotics, by the way, right? There's a part of AI that exists in robotics. Is that the job? Uh, or or is the job of the future simply putting the pieces of the puzzle together? Is that necessary? Absolutely it is. And it can be the backbone of this country. Do not get me wrong on that. But the suggestion that we've got to bring these jobs, we have one of the lowest unemployment rates we have ever seen, by the way, if you want to measure unemployment. Now, we can talk about how those numbers have been fudged here and there, but we are also seeing wages 
Part of this is inflation. Part of this is the fact that people are demanding more. Part of this is, have we seen real wage growth? We're starting to, by the way. We've seen like a couple of tenths of a point of real wage growth for the first time. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. As we look at this, where is the the future forward instead of the looking backwards? There's only one person on that stage last night that talked about, I don't want to talk about the, the past. We need to talk about our future. And that was actually Ron DeSantis. Now, he didn't do it on the economy. Nobody did. But he at least understood the voter don't care about the past by and large. The group in which you need in a general election to win does not want to relitigate the past. We must move forward in liberty, in life, in the pursuit of happiness. And if you can't give me that vision, Team GOP, you belong in the ash heap of history that you are literally like you've got your thumb and your pinky finger holding on to the ledge right now. I think I think you saw that really prevalent in the uh, January six questions, and and Ron DeSantis saying like why why are we focused on that why are we not focused on twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five? All right. So with that being said, I think now is a great time. Do you have any other notes that you took generalized notes? <clears throat> um, I mean, I was just going through my X thread here, and because I mean, I I hung out on X last night during the um during the debate and honestly i think the rest of this i think we could save for specific issues or specific okay people let's do that then. so and then uh instead of that let's go ahead and go with the b or not the b all right so are you ready for today's headline <clears throat> oh i'm always ready for today's headline Leader of failed Russian uprising dead after accidental ingestion of surface-to-air missile. Leader of failed Russian uprising dead after accidental ingestion of surface-to-air missile. While you are thinking as to whether or not this is the B or not the B, folks, uh, I know a lot of you are in different life situations. I know a lot of you are in different economic situations, and you may need to sell to downsize or or get out of a mortgage, or you need to sell to, you've got your fourth kid on the way or your third kid on the way and your house is whatever. Wherever you exist, wherever you live, finding yourself a real estate agent that you can trust and that understands your needs and actually cares to ask you, not just about price, bedrooms, and all that other stuff. If you're in Illinois, that's me. Andrew Coppins, realtor. But if it's not, let me be your referral partner to make sure that you are getting somebody that I can trust. And if you can trust in what I bring to the table, my principles and my beliefs, you damn well better believe that I'm going to steer you into a person who has the ethics, the morals to be able to help you in your purchase. So DM me. You can go at the Coppin show you can go find me on the Google. Just type in Andrew Coppins Realtor. It's like literally the first five things that come up. Um, and book some time. Let me know. Or let me know how I can be of assistance. If you've got questions in the real estate world, I am happy to answer as I can. Uh, but it is important to continue to do business with those that don't insult you. 
And that's what I want to do for you because all realtors are not created equal, just like all political candidates are not created equal. So again, just hit me up on the DMs or whatever you need to do. With that being said, um, Pat, do you need the headline one more time? Yeah, because that was a weird one. Yeah, leader of failed Russian uprising dead after accidentally uh, accidental ingestion of surface-to-air missile. Is this the B or not the B? So he he ingested yeah. an air missile? Like ate an air missile? Yep. Yeah, Babylon B, bro. You are correct. But also, uh, <clears throat> Yevgeny Porshenkin, right? Or Prigozhin. That's what it is. Sorry, Yevgeny Prigozhin, head of the Wagner mercenary group and leader of a failed Russian uprising in June of 2023, has passed away after accidentally ingesting a SA-2 surface-to-air missile while aboard a passenger plane. Well, it turns out that that's exactly what happened, and we literally somehow, some way, had actual visual evidence of this attack happening. Like, his plane just blew up in the sky. Like, literally, it just, poof! And you can watch a surface-to-air missile hit it. I mean, could you be any less subtle, Vladimir Putin? Or your accolades? It continues, though. Prigozhin was pronounced dead shortly after the unfortunate mishap. Quote, it deeply saddens me to hear of Prigozhin's untimely death, said Russian President Vladimir Putin. Still, it was very foolish of him to ingest an entire surface-to-air missile like that. Unquote. When pressed whether the Wagner leader's death was the result of foul play, Putin responded that there was no indication of foul play, and also he happened to have Prigozhin's suicide note in his pocket. Oh, the Russian yeah. president then read the suicide note aloud, pointing out the gushing praise for himself interspersed in the note. At publishing time, the Wagner group had posted a job opening for a new leader with tactical skills, management experience, go-getter attitude, and the ability to survive the ingestion of a missile at 30,000 feet. It is super important to know your stuff when you are debating the Ultramago Republicans about guns. Oh, wait, that's not part of this. That was just part of the Babylon Bee's uh, promotion of their uh, really scary gun facts. Um, but anyway, um, that's on their YouTube page. But, I mean, literally, could you be any less subtle there, Vladimir? And the must have been the vodka. Wow. Yeah. Just wow. I, yeah. Just wow. All right. So now is a great time as we got $100 back into our central bank digital currency account in which we we can't. We, we, damn, we, we, you, we might as well just lost the money. Yeah. 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 So we talked about when we're going to talk about winners, losers. Surprises, what the hell. I think we get our winner of the night out of the way. Pat, okay. your winner. Well, I, I want to start start with this. I actually put up a poll on, on X on this, on who people thought was were the biggest winners or, or, or the biggest winner of, of the night. 42.6% said Nikki Haley. 37% said Vivek. 11.1% said DeSantis and 9.3% said Pence. Um, I was a little shocked by those results, to be honest. And then somebody commented and said Chris Christie, which made me chuckle. Um, but uh, I honestly, I think the biggest winner of the night, in in, in my view, was, was actually Vivek. Mm. Um, and the reason why I say that, he got by far attacked the most on stage by far um and then he he got a lot of i mean if you listen to him he got a lot of cheers a lot mm. and he also enlisted the low. overall most reaction in the crowd yeah he got the, i and, and the, what i'm getting at is i think he got the most attention last night um from the crowd and i think even from people at home now I'm not saying that the substance of his debate was the greatest, but I think if you're going to look at a winner, I mean, you, you kind of look at those anecdotal things in the background of, of what's happening with the audience. I think Vivek won that 
Um, yeah, I also think that he had the the line of the night, the response back yeah. to the chat GPT. Oh that yeah, was Chris Christie, like he's he's putting that in his back pocket line, right? That's a yeah. that's a tested, focus grouped line. Well, there's no doubt about that. But Vivek's response back is, well, why don't you? How about this? Let's let's stop taking pot shots, basically, right? And then his line was, how about you give me a hug like you did to Barack Obama to ensure that he won the presidency. <laughs> Well, and then holy Moses, yeah, right. Not to mention, um, you also have, you know, his his responses to Mike Pence and how he weathered Mike Pence, and then Nikki Haley went at him at one point too, which, you know, she did a good job of going after Vivek and and getting getting some attention on that. Even though Vivek, I think, ultimately won the day in that debate against Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. So also there's his own words that, that mm-hmm. Nikki Haley just totally misinterpreted, but that's neither here nor yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I have the same answer as you, by the way, Vivek for mm-hmm. me was the the winner because he's going to be the most talked about name. He's going to be the mm-hmm. one. He delivered some lines. He also delivered, I think the most impassioned defense of American ideals on that stage. Um, when he talked about, especially the Ukrainian war c- scenario, um, yeah. where he basically said no mas to further funding. We, we've given enough. When is enough enough? It, and I never, I didn't hear, I heard a different but similar answer from Ron DeSantis, right, where he basically said, nah, I'm going to focus on our border first. And, and that's well, all fine and dandy, but but Vivek's answer was no. What, like, we can't help somebody on an invasion of their border when we can't help ourselves. And and I think the neocon BS of Chris Christie and Nikki Haley showed through because they exposed it with the with those answers. You you could do both, and Ron DeSantis had a great response to that. Right in in the fact of he said, "No, you we we haven't been able to do both. Our southern border is more porous today than it was before, and mm-hmm. we're we're not doing anything to win a war in Ukraine." Um. I think Vivek elicited the greatest responses to the crowd. Does playing to the crowd mean you win? Not necessarily. I, I don't think he was playing to the crowd. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I struggle with Vivek because I know that he's the winner, but do I trust him as far as I can throw him? No, no, no I don't either. But, but he won. Mm-hmm. All right. So for me, biggest loser, there are two of them. For me, Mike Pence and Donald Trump. And Mike Pence is the biggest loser because I wrote this literally, I think, within the first 10 minutes of the debate. Pence's most proven line, you know, he talked about you need the most proven, not the biggest name or or whatever, the, the guy that's most proven. Proven to do what exactly? What have you accomplished over that proven track record of being a senator, a congressman, or a congressman, a governor, the vice president. What'd you accomplish, bro? You're, you're actually proving the problem that exists in the GOP. You're proving that we're, we're now having a contest about history instead of going forward. What's your vision going forward? You got none. He couldn't have been any stiffer if he was a dried pasta noodle. I, he's awful in front of people. He, It's part of his speech pattern and how he talks, right, in general, that is part of his problem. And you would think over the course of all of that proven experience, he would prove to be better at public speaking than he is. He's awful at it. He also came across as just flat-out mean. At times, like he came across as a bully to the moderators, to other individuals on that stage. It was not a good look, but I think he also is a loser because he attempted to do what? Ride the coattails of Donald Trump when it was convenient for him and then bash Donald Trump indirectly, of course, when it's also convenient for him. You you cannot say the, the Trump-Pence economy and then say... Eh, he also brought up um, leadership. 
right? He continued to bring up leadership, 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 and I thought the moment that was missed the most was anybody piping up and saying, oh, really, like your leadership when it came to COVID? Mike Pence, you're the one who was supposedly taking the reins of that leadership. You did nothing about it. Now, the Donald Trump side of this, for me, the biggest loser, yes, oh my God, a hundred and whatever million uh, impressions. For the thousandth millionth time, an impression does not mean a view. If you know anything about advertising, Pat, and especially in the digital age, what is an impression? An impression is simply it showed up on the page, on the feed. That's it. Uh, and by the way, that that simply could happen by five big-ass accounts like Elon Musk and Tucker and and um, Don Trump Jr. and whomever deciding to amplify it and thus sending it to the masses. That's how that works. It has absolutely freaking lootly nothing to do with the amount of views. Uh, my suggestion is probably a, what, 10% click, click through? Okay, so if that's the case, that's 16 million people. That's a big number, don't get me wrong. But it's not 167 million. And I think it would behoove the folks at Twitter to take that impression number off of the timeline. Because it doesn't matter. Take the viewer number and put it on your timeline. How many people viewed that video? That's the important number. Make that public. Like they do on YouTube. YouTube doesn't make the impressions, you know, the, the number of people who saw it in the timeline of the search for, you know, how to do this or how to do that. No, it is the people who actually physically click on it and mm. view it. Yep, clicks. That's the only thing that matters. And I also think that Donald Trump lost because did anybody on that stage miss Donald Trump? Did we miss Donald Trump at all? No. No. He missed that crowd. He missed an opportunity to get in front of a rally-style situation and bully the crap out of the stage, right? Instead, what did we what was the on offer? A pre-taped, pre-screened BS fest with Tucker. I don't know if you've watched the whole thing. I have not. I've seen highlights of it, mainly because I don't think it matters. My my main supposition has been, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the data points, yeah, there's a ton of impressions and a, tons, a ton of views. How many members of Team GOP, how many Trump voters, how many people exist on X? It's about 7% of that support. How many of Team GOP, period, point blank, watch Fox News? It's what, 70%? Mm -hmm. And then about 28% of it is really hardcore? Again, mm -hmm. four times as many, four times as many people have an opportunity to have gotten in Those people had an opportunity to get in front of a crowd that's actual GOP voters, not just one person's supporters. The opportunity is significantly missed because we in the media are very guilty of thinking the world that revolves around X, right? And what happens there. And that's the real life scenario. No, it's not. It no. really is not. And the sooner we recognize the difference between real people giving real opinions there and bots and people paid like Alex Bruzowitz and Christina Pushaw and other individuals on both sides of the DeSantis, blah, 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 uh, Trump, blah, blah, blah side of things. I also put this. Here's how he was also a big loser because everybody else on that stage showed how they could stand on their own two feet without him. The GOP looks fine to me. Like there, there are... There are a set of candidates here. I think there are three of them that literally stood on that stage and said, 
I can do this. That was a show of we don't need Donald Trump to be successful going forward. And Donald Trump is continuing to go backwards. He is continuing to relitigate things that don't need to be relitigated because it's his brand. It's the only thing that he has. Because if he goes to his platform, right, if he goes to these things, what does this do? It reminds people of everything that he didn't accomplish that he said he was going to the first time around. We're rehashing 2016 with him. That dog don't hunt. Just out of curiosity, because, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you meant DeSantis and Vivek for two of them. Who was the third? I, I think it's Doug Bergman. No, I'll talk about that later. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, I think it's I think it was Doug. Mm. Uh, absolutely, I think it was. Because he was the only one that offered steadiness on that stage. Did, did you see him raise his voice? No, and, no. I, I actually really liked... Uh, I didn't agree with everything that he said, but I liked how he presented it and how he presented himself on that stage. I really, I actually, it was a breath of fresh air. Right. So your biggest loser. Um, so I, I, I see your point on Mike Pence and Donald Trump and because Mike Pence certainly spoke out both sides of his mouth. There, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Well, it's not just and speaking I do... out of both sides of his mouth. Let's be clear on that. Yeah. It, it had everything to do with, he looked like a animatron, right? Like yeah, yeah, everything that he said was rehearsed. Everything that he tried to deliver, it came across as inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, here's here's the um, the rub, though. I I I, grew, I well, I agree that he is a loser of the night. I don't think he's the biggest loser of the night. I actually thought on that stage, and I was looking on that stage specifically because I could make the case about Donald Trump too. And I think I think your point on him is very. Um, you know, apropos for, mm -hmm. for what it was. Um, I think the biggest loser on that stage was Asa Hutchinson. Mm. Um, I could it, see it, that. It, it, um, I'll just say this before you give your thought on why. I'll, I'll just say this. He is a non-factor for me and has been this entire time, so what does it matter? He shouldn't be on that stage. That, that's And, and, and that, that would be the argument against. I, I absolutely agree, can, can agree with that. The only reason I'm giving him the worst performer of the night i mean every time he spoke i cringed yeah, that's and, fair and and like let's like he, he was very cringy i mean mike pence had some okay moments um i'm not saying it was great but he had some okay moments by comparison to asa hutchinson and it, it, it he doesn't but you're right he doesn't belong on that stage he barely got any attention last night what he said just didn't really speak relevancy to anyone. That's why I'm considering him to be the biggest loser of the night. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and move forward here to our biggest surprise. I think it's Doug uh, Burgum, not Bergman, Burgum. And I apologize to the governor of the state of North Dakota. We're still getting used to him in this race, right? But I, th I thought he was the biggest surprise because I thought he was just going to show up and be kind of this, like, weird, wet noodle, Asa Hutchinson type of a candidate, right? And, really and, 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 by, and by that, I mean somebody who does not have charisma, does not have a stage presence, does not have the ability to move the needle. It's not to suggest that his thoughts or his policies or his prescriptions would be necessarily bad. I just didn't know enough about him. But what I do know about him after last night, I would seriously consider him. And why would I seriously consider him? We, I mentioned it before. Steady, steadiness on that stage. He didn't waver from his viewpoints. He stuck to his guns. He showed what a leader looks like having a disagreement without being a disagreeable prick. And then that's what we saw from Nikki Haley. That's what we saw from Chris Christie. We saw it a little bit from Vivek. Um, I also thought that it's a brush, breath, a uh, 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 breath of fresh air to have somebody on that stage who sounds more like Ron and Rand Paul 
but without maybe some of the weird idiosyncrasies, if you will, of those two individuals, mm-hmm. he delivers almost the same message as as Rand Paul will deliver to you, but he does it in a Midwest way. You know what I'm saying? He does it in a way in which I could, I would love to sit around the table with him and talk. That dog hunts. That dog absolutely hunts because he is somebody that the American people, the average worker, the average individual in America can relate to. As we talked about the the exploding popularity of rich men north of Richmond, right, and Oliver Anthony and all that, that that is representing, right? That's your candidate right there. He gets you. He understands you, and more, more importantly, he's understanding of the place of government. From a state, by the way, whose capital is a office building. It's an office building, not a office building. It is an office building. That's what it is. It's not some grand rotunda place. It's actually one of two. Do you know the other state? It's Kentucky. Kentucky and North uh, North Dakota. They're the only ones who don't have a capital that looks like some miniature version or weird version of uh, of the U.S. capital. They're the only ones. When you and I'm only using that as the symbol for me. I thought it was the biggest surprise for me because I, if I were to place the candidates, I would put Vivek DeSantis, Burgum. And I might say that Burgum actually could flip into the, the top spot for me because it's not that he pulled out the, the pocket constitution. It's that he understood. He literally is prepared enough to quote the 10th Amendment. How many people on that stage could have done that off the top of their head? I would suggest that Vivek, DeSantis, and him are the only ones on that stage that could do it. They would they would know what it is, but they wouldn't know mm. the mechanics of the Tenth Amendment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i I like that analysis. I, and I will say Doug Brigham was one that, that did surprise me. However, I think the biggest surprise for me was actually Nikki Haley. And I'm not saying that from a standpoint of in terms of the what she said on any particular issue. It's how she handled herself within that debate in that honestly she might actually do better than what we've been saying for a while. Because um, we we there there at one point I think both of us have said she's probably not making it to Iowa. I still don't after think she last makes it night. To Iowa, by the way, huh? I still don't think she makes it to Iowa. By the way, I, I I don't know. After last night, I think she might. Does she make it much past Iowa? I don't know. But she might, and that that's why I, that's that's what surprised me is that the way she handled herself with Vivek and and some of the other candidates on that stage did surprise me. Now I I don't necessarily like what she had to say per se. Um, and I agree that she used the crutch of being a woman a lot. Um, but that she, she handled herself more than I thought she was going to. I actually thought she would get absolutely eviscerated on that stage last night. And she didn't. So that, that I think that's why that was the big surprise for me. However, I really do appreciate what you said about Doug Burgum. And I think he is someone that, I don't think a lot of people were really truly considering, you know, prior to last night. But I think if he if he markets this the right way, um, he could be someone that people are talking about a little bit more, and we'll see him on more debate stages. So, yeah, I yeah, yeah. and I think maybe it's also because uh, Burgum is closer to a classical libertarian. Mm-hmm. He is. He is closer to Barry Goldwater, if you will, right, than mm-hmm. he is to and and actually Ronald Reagan. Let's be real about that. He is closer to their positions than anybody on that stage. Like the actual positions of whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's uh, let government let's get government out of the lives here. And, and oh. I think what we saw from Nikki Haley, and I'll see your point. Mm. I think. What was surprising for me is that she didn't sh- uh, shrink into the background. 
She yeah. she was very good at standing her ground and doing so in a way that didn't necessarily come across as um um mean spirited, if you will. Right, it didn't come across as what Chris Christie did or what Mike Pence did because Mike Pence, well, he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. Watch what he did last night. He it absolutely does. Yeah. He absolutely does. He comes across as the the Joe Biden character, if you will, in the GOP. Right, the, this mm-hmm. idea of the oh shucky darns Midwestern uh, working family values man. Right, he is he is that caricature within the GOP. Same one that Joe Biden had attempted to, to give us. And that ain't the reality. Turns out they're pretty bitter people. Turns out that they're very vengeful people. Um, and very capable of sharp tongues and bullying actions. So with that being said, though, Pat, I think it is a good time to wrap things up. Your final thoughts. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And Fox News, what the hell was that? Mike Pence, what the hell was that? Just just what the hell is a Mike Pence at this point? No. Uh, but beyond that, please be safe, be smart, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.